Hello and welcome to Intelligence Talks. I'm your host, Anna Ward, a senior residential analyst at Knight Frank. And today I'm joined by Tosca Fund Chief Economist, Sabah Savuri, and Knight Frank's Head of UK Residential Research, Tom Bill. Welcome, Sabas and Tom. Good morning to you. Good morning, Anna. So it's been a busy week this week. We've seen G7 leaders commit to main economic support for basically as long as necessary to boost growth. And at the same time, journalists have been raising concerns about an overheating housing market. Um, so in particular, Bloomberg has claimed this week that the UK is among the world's bubbliest housing markets. So in this episode, what I'd like to do is look at whether the UK house price boom does look like a bubble now and how the Bank of England is likely to respond. So, Savas, the UK house price to earnings ratio is creeping up. And that's one thing that journalists have commented on as perhaps suggesting that the UK housing market is in a bubble. Would you agree with that? I do not. I think that a bubble exists, or my experience, and this is my 30th year working in commercial finance, a bubble exists when there's a deviation from fundamentals. Um, and the fundamentals of the housing market in the UK are sound. The labour market in the UK has shown extraordinary resilience. It will emerge at warp speed, wage inflation is coming through. So house price earnings ratios tend to be trailing. And just watch as wage inflation uh, begins a, a healthy acceleration. Uh, I don't fear wage inflation. I actually look forward to seeing it come through to lift disposable incomes. So you're saying that you think the UK house price to earnings ratio will change, that earnings will go up accordingly as we go forward? Yeah, and also the, the, the traditional metrics like house price to, um, to earnings used to be a rule of thumb, you know, the, the, but they're anachronistic now. We've got disruptive banks coming along, longer mortgages. Uh, there's much more sophistication in the mortgage market now. Uh, rules of thumb like house price earnings ratios, 7% being a concern, are no longer worth worrying about. Tom, what do you look at when kind of evaluating sort of whether or not the house price boom could look like a bubble? I mean, where do you come at it from? It reminds me of when we went into the pandemic a little bit. Everyone was trying to compare it to 2008 and, and draw parallels because they were the sort of easy, it was the easiest thing to try and do. And it, and it proved not to be a very accurate way of going about it. And I think the same thing's happening now. We're seeing double digit house price growth in the UK. And Savas touched on that. I think, yes, house price to earnings ratio is, is creeping up because house prices are creeping up. But actually, if you look at what's happening in the mortgage market, you can't get 110% mortgage anymore. It's it's a completely different scenario to, to to what it was prior to the you know the global financial crisis. And so, if you look at things like the total interest and in capital repayments as a percentage of, of of income, that's not really doing much. That's sort of staying where it was, and it doesn't really compare to where it was 10, 11, 12 years ago. So, there's an element of the market now being much more self-correcting. Lenders are, are in a different place. Memories are sometimes accused of being quite short, but I don't think they're that short. So, I think what you'll see is a market that is going to self-correct a lot more than it did back uh, in 2008. And the other feature of 2008, of course, was high interest rates. And you had a lot of forced sellers who couldn't service their mortgage. And a lot of forced sellers obviously brought house prices crashing down. It just doesn't feel like those conditions are in place at the moment. And do we think, though, that interest rates could be going up quite soon? I mean, we saw UK inflation this week breach the Bank of England's target 2%, and that was the first time since July 2019. Savas, is this a concern? Obviously, at the G7, we've seen leaders commit to continue putting their foot down on boosting economic support. But where do you think they'll stand, perhaps, in in the next few months? Well, you've collectivised the G7. Uh, let's separate them out. Let's, the UK has unique fundamentals. 
very distinct from Japan and the US and from Canada and Italy and France and Germany. Had this crisis happened, I think in any year before 2020, there have been concerns about the UK. As, as Tom mentioned, banks came into this crisis incredibly or macro-prudentially very sound. We've never had more equity in our properties than we have currently because of the post-208 interest rate compression. Base rates will be higher sooner than anyone is suggesting. And rather than see that as being a concern, we should applaud it because the UK will be the, I think the UK will be the first nation in the G7 to begin normalising interest rates. 0.1 is the wrong number. 0.75 is where we were before this, and it was a creeping up. This time next year, I'd be shocked if we weren't back at 0.75. And in two years' time, maybe closer to 1.5 than 1. No reason for concern. Raising interest rates is a sign that the economy doesn't need to have the emergency funding Mm -hmm. that we put into place after this crisis. So are you saying, though, that you don't think inflation will get to the point where banks will have to do more than just sort of gently raise the interest rate? I, inflation, will inflation go above 3%? Possibly. The, the, the CPI that is the metric the Bank of England measure is currently very, very, very much confused because there are um, elements in it that aren't being collected. When we re- reach a steady state, which I think we will within six to eight months, I'd be, I'd be shocked if inflation was below 2%. I'd be surprised and shocked if it's above 3%. 2.3, is healthy. Just think what is happening across Europe. For them, deflation is the concern. Property prices across Europe are being harmed because the fundamentals across Europe are weak. The UK is the strongest economy by far, uh, all sorts of reasons. But we, the housing market is nothing without an understanding of demographics. Net new household formation in the UK will be, over the coming years, annualising at 300,000, if not more. Net new households coming to the market looking for properties, either to rent or to own. I think there's another couple of points, Anna, just worth worth mentioning as well in terms of what's happening to house prices. Now, in the UK, there's been a stamp duty holiday, and the aim was to stimulate the wider UK economy or to help stimulate the wider UK economy. So I think in retrospect, it probably wasn't needed to fulfil that aim. But what you, what it's done, I think, is to sort of distort what's happening in the housing market. I think the housing market would have come back strongly anyway. There's a lot of pent-up demand that's been building for, for five, six years against the sort of backdrop of Brexit. But if you're looking now today at the housing market and you're seeing double-digit growth, it sort of reminds me of looking in the equivalent of one of those mirrors at the fun fair. Things are just slightly distorted. You can see the general shape of the market, but it doesn't necessarily bear any relation to reality. So I think what you'll start to see towards the end of the year and what we expect to happen is that current double-digit house price levels in price inflation will start to come back down again because number one it's being distorted by the stamp duty holiday people rushing to complete and we saw actually the prices in london month on month actually fell for the first time or by the greatest amount in a period of time as a result of price renegotiations taking place and the other thing just to mention on the housing market is the lack of supply you you can look at what's happening to house prices but you just can't ignore the supply side of that equation there just isn't the supply there it's just been very low since the start of the year I mean, just to recap for, for listeners, clearly at the end of this month, it's going to become less generous. So it's dropping from 500k to 250k. As that happens, are you expecting there to be a slump in house prices towards the sort of tapering off and finally when it ends? I think in terms of transaction volumes, we, we, saw, a, we saw a huge spike in March for a stamp duty holiday deadline that actually never was. Um, but people had lined up and were ready to go. So, so a lot of transactions went through. We'll see another spike in June. This month is, is very busy. Anecdotally, we know people 
can't get hold of removals vans. There's pressure on the conveyancing supply chain, as there was at the start of the year. There'll probably be a smaller spike in September because we'll have the, we'll have a two two and a half thousand pound maximum saving. What it does to prices, I don't think it, it it makes prices slump. I think it just calms everything back down again. And what about what will happen next? And um, Savas, you've spoken a lot before on stamp duty and what Rishi Sunak's options could be. Do you think that a rise in capital gains tax could could be on the agenda in even stamp duty phasing out? Let's let's be clear. We're very lucky that we have a extraordinarily competent chancellor. Stamp duty is really a tax that makes no sense in economics. It's an entry tax. Tax should be paid on exit, on realising a capital gain. Do you think, and just before we go on, so I know you've, you've obviously said that you've got a lot of respect for Rishi, but do you think he should have introduced the stamp duty holiday wasn't needed? Obviously, Tom's touched on that and suggested perhaps it wasn't. Is that your view as well? Because no one knew what this was going to be like. This, is, this has got no, mm. no precedent. What he did is he did what was sensible. He opened every channel into the economy, the furlough system, business support schemes, stamp duty suspension. Mm-hmm. The issue now is the timing of reversing these things. But um, my advice to, to listeners is wait for some really interesting developments in how residential properties are taxed. This government has years to run, so lots of time to really re-engineer fiscal policy. I'd be shocked if stamp duty, as it was, before the, the epidemic returns in, in the same way. And I'd also be shocked if we don't see a capital gains adjustment by way of compensation. So, What about in terms of how this will distribute across the UK? I mean, as we come out of pandemic economy, how well positioned would you say some of our certain regions might be to benefit from that? Well, overarching this, we've got to talk about Scotland and Wales. So what you've had is effectively the, the country being policed or governed in very distinct spatial ways. And I expect to see more devolution. In terms of a heat map of the UK, the labour market data tells us that the Midlands and the Northwest have had a good crisis. I think London has had a crisis which has been probably the biggest beneficiary of government support. Just to bring Tom back in here, with you know with all the levelling up that's going on, I know that you're kind of looking at the moment at sort of different regional performance. I mean, which regional sort of UK housing markets would you say are well positioned for growth at the moment? Before the pandemic, we, we heard a lot about affordability and people moving out of the capital, mm-hmm. blue chip companies setting up around the UK. And I just think that story is going to pick back up again. We had Goldman Sachs opening an office in Birmingham, which I think was very, you know, very symbolic. And again, you had London underperforming in terms of house price growth before the pandemic. So I think if anything, it's just going to, all those trends are going to be magnified. And I would say that's, that story is going to continue and I would expect to see growth around the region, certainly in the short term, and just a sort of more interesting uh, narrative in parts of the country around the Midlands. You know, London is still going to be drawing people in, but I think there's also going to be the story playing out about people moving to secondary cities and benefiting those. On that point, just watch as regional migration. So Britain's moving around the countries. I'm not suggesting that London won't continue to see net international immigration. Yeah. Just watch as Londoners in net terms, move out to the southeast, the southwest, the Midlands. And just also the sectors that live in, in that we're working in London are effectively peripatetic. You can do the job elsewhere. Tom, final question for you. I think just thinking about as international markets open up, presumably we're in for a big uptick in um, international deals in central London and so on. I think inevitably we are. Again, we're sort of picking up from where we left off a little bit in in terms of the property market in prime central London. It turned to annual price growth for the first time in five years. 
that was something that had been set in train by the uh, election result of December 2019, sort of a, a lot of political uncertainty dissipated. And we saw the first couple of months of 2020 were, were just very strong. The market was set for a very strong year before the pandemic struck. So we're sort of starting to pick up a little bit where we left off. We'll probably see minimal price growth across prime central London this year. As international travel reopens, that could happen. Well, we don't know quite when that's going to happen, but the impact will be quite quick. And 2022 is when we think that that's going to kick in more fully. Listen, thank you both so much. I think you've done a really good job at addressing those concerns around the current housing market and whether indeed it's overheating and if if it's in a bubble or not. Um, So thanks so much for your time. Um, And I hope Savas will be back again soon. I'm sure there'll be more to come. So thanks again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Anna. For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, and you can see our show notes for more details. Please do also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and do listen out for our next episode in a fortnight. Thank you very much for listening.